Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Edric from Edric Poon in Company. So thank you very much for joining me in this podcast where we talk to the people behind the brands and the businesses. So today in studio with us, we have Andy Wong, who is the founder of Rave Photography. He's founded the company in 1995 and offers complete range of photographic services from creative, commercial, digital photography to digital imaging. Andy's work has been seen many times within the Singapore Tatler and big names such as Chanel, Audi, and Shangri-La. He's produced stunning visual pieces of a huge variety, uh, ranging from people to pottery. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Edric, for having me here. All right, so um, do share a little bit more about rave photography and uh, what you've been up to. Rave photography is actually a uh, 25-year-old company, uh, which I started out in 19... 90, no, I think it was yeah, way before then. It was only registered at 1995. So, um, how Rave Toffee came about was the need for more, um, it's actually more for to get paid. <laughs> a lot of times, I mean, that's the honest truth, right? You don't have a company registered, you don't sound like you're a company. You put your name down, you'll usually be the last on the pay list. Mm. And um, I said, after many times of uh, not getting paid on time, not getting as an as an uh, freelancer, this is what uh, you have to live by. Always not getting paid on time. People trying to uh, <laughs> do stuff with your payment and all. So I finally decided to register Ray Photography in 1995. Mm. And he uh, took on a studio space at Henderson Industrial Park. Right. Uh, and this is how Rave Toffee was born uh, out of necessity. Ah. I was working from home. But having said that, before that, I was working for a, um, my boss for two years. Before then, was I was in the army doing photography uh, in Pioneer Magazine. And I came out, I started uh, working for somebody for two years. Uh, this, this photographer, his name is called Lawrence Chong. So I worked for him for two years to learn uh, to run the studio and the ins and outs on how, what entails commercial photography, what commercial photography is like. And frankly, I was really uh, shell-shocked with this transition from school, from La Salle, uh, to army and to this uh, uh, commercial world is really everything is not, nothing you, you will never be prepared for this not even in school at all yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I noticed uh, in your portfolio previously is that yes you did some people shots uh, you did a lot of still uh, at the same time, now it seems like you're focusing a lot more on food and they're beautiful pictures. Uh, uh, I've seen recently in the Straits Times that uh, you've also been posting on your social media as well Right Yes um, it all started mostly with people. I was into fashion photography because most photographers have something to latch on to first before they build their craft. Mm. Or rather when while building their craft. But uh, most of the time back then was a lot of a, uh, people. So fashion was like the number one thing. So I jumped on a bandwagon, I tried fashion, you know. But um, after a good 8 to 10 years, I found my love more for interior and food photography stills mm. sense of space lighting and not having to deal with people 
in that way because um, dealing with people can really make things a little difficult sometimes mm. and I have no control over it most photographers are all OCD yeah. they need to control from start to the end but that's how you get good pictures that's really how you get good pictures having said that it wasn't a very easy transition because uh, food photographers and interior photographers in the past was so-called a second-grade uh, photographers. The fashion photographers were the ones uh, that were dominating the scene, they were getting paid the most, uh, where food interior photographers were all just, okay, yeah, you just need to shoot this. I would say that it, it takes a special craft. I mean, some people seem to focus very much on people, I would think. And in terms of the fashion line, they've been there for a long time. But you've chosen to do food because of create, uh, sorry, the control, uh, creative control over it. I would say it is more, I'm more geared towards a lifestyle. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always a so-called a lifestyle photographer. Back uh-huh. then when they were known as lifestyle photographers, I hate to use the word back then, back then, because it makes it sound so... Uh, but, yeah, in the past, uh, lifestyle photographers were always not very... Uh, I don't know what the word to use, but fashion photographers will always be the darling. Right. Right. Where we are always uh, picking up the second... The scraps. Yes, correct. Like so, word. Because it's lifestyle. Right. Because lifestyle. And uh, lifestyle photography is not... It's not very highly sought after, but only through the years when Singapore start to evolve or the world start to evolve and they find that it's not just people that makes the deal. It's people living in a situation. So we are trying to capture what these people, what they, what kind of food they like, what kind of space they like. Uh, what kind of furnitures they like so like if you see in today's market this is so relevant right now but back then it was a really a slow it was a slow game it was right. difficult it was really difficult yeah okay so uh, I'm, I'm interesting question here uh, would be that when you look through that lens mm. right and you're taking a picture of that uh, very delectable item or dish that you have in front of you, ultimately, what are you looking for? Are you looking for what intrigues people about it? Or are you looking at just purely composition, colors, and you know, a very textbook kind of a thing? It depends on who the client is or who the client are. Um, that also will determine the kind of imagery that I would need to conjure up and produce for my client mm-hmm. because uh, this is how how we win our clients in commercial photography you need truth be told it, it sounds like a sellout which I hate that but I know you gotta pay the told, bills man you gotta pay the bills but also you gotta respect your client that's why they they come to you you do a lot of good work outside um, maybe just a recent collaboration with all my my exhibitions and all but those are works that is totally dominated by me and my stylist and this is what we want not what the client wants but when you work for a client they will have their own little branding they will have their uh, little code to live by right and you need to translate your pixels to cash for them of course when they buy into you they buy into your style they buy into your quality but there is a certain amount of respect as well uh, where we give to them by uh, doing what 
they can do to sell the image, to translate that to money for them. Right. Okay. So, I mean, now that we're speaking of this experience, because you're established, you've been in this business a long time already. But I would like to just dial this back a little bit. And, um, you know, first off, uh, when were you born? Okay, I'm born in 1970, which makes me 49 this year. 49. So you've seen the transition of everything from paper cameras to film to uh, battery-operated flashes, uh, all the way until... Yeah, everything. Yeah, you've seen it all, right, right, in that sense. I'm very interested to find out exactly what led you onto this path because again I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, reading the signs you know basically yeah I read the alchemist and stuff like that so right. it, I, I really wanted to see where that turning point was where you realized that okay there are greater things out there and what is it that was the first thing that all of a sudden you got and it just inspired you and led, led you on this path if you're talking about how I got inspired to go into photography it was because of my grandfather and my cousin. They were all um, photography enthusiasts. Mm. Uh, whenever I see them um, taking the camera, t- taking pictures with a mechanical Minotas or Olympus and all, uh, you need to actually learn how to use it. To it's, it's like driving a car that's manual. Right. You you need to learn the techniques. You lean. You you need to learn to how to maneuver the thing. And this is what really intrigued me. And my grandfather will always pass me the camera to try uh, and, and to test. But I always, of course, couldn't make it. <laughs> because it is so difficult. And I was like really young back then. And um, But my mom has been a very good supporter. Or rather been a very good, uh, how is it? She always encourages me. She she buys me uh, Kodak, those Instamatics, with films and those portable, those little bulb flashes where once you use it, it's a sodium and it's gone. Oh, it's a one and done kind of thing? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. So, I've seen all, so you only have one chance to get a nice shot. So most of the time, I'll just snap and the... Um, but what really got me was when my cousin gave up his hobby as a photography enthusiast uh, in school, uh, I use I used his camera for a shoot. Uh, I like street art. I like uh, back then was BMX uh, skateboarding, mostly BMX. So using his camera to take pictures of uh, people doing stunts in a BMX and all really made me feel that uh, there's more to photography than just taking beautiful pictures. Uh, it's more about capturing reality, capturing street art, capturing uh, the moment. The moment is something that if the photographer can understand what this is, this is where he can learn to make money because it's always the moment. Yeah, You must always predict the moment. Right. Which means you always have to have a very sharp sense of your surrounding you have to you have to feel your surrounding when i shot in the studio and i did a lot of people short fashion so that is the part there where the moment comes in you need to know when the model is gonna all like move to get the correct posture to get a feel of the picture right right and to have whether or not there's going to be motion whether or not there's going to be a certain action or energy that comes through that's right and ah. mostly is the energy mostly is the energy because some shots that are not planned and when you get it, it's really so satisfying. It's really very satisfying because um, you didn't ask her to pose that way, but 
it was along the way you predicted the moment you shot it ah yeah. okay so it was always the instinct with the, with the, with mm, the trigger mm. yeah. because you could always you could always kind of tell when it was going to happen yes correct wow okay yes, yeah. so you're almost psychic I would say almost in that way where you have your third eye ah, in that sense yeah okay. so it, it, it is the same like shooting uh, of course shooting food and interior you don't need to be you plan everything but shooting people you need to have that literal flow of a um how you say you need you need to see what's going to happen next okay or rather feel it um dialing back again um to to your first camera what what was it and when did you get it the very first camera i bought, bought. with yeah. my own uh, money that i worked for um i was very young i literally was shooting for big old magazine mm-hmm. they paid me uh, almost close to nothing but because we exchanged our services for um, concerts and all and those lo- that little money I saved up I bought my very first camera which was a Nikon FM2 wow yeah. and that is with the titanium shutter and I remember I went down to Newton Circus you know back then there was no a, um, uh, internet there was no nothing it was classified so $500 $500? Yes. This was in 1980... 19, I think in the early 90s. 1992? Yes. Thereabout? In the early 90s. Okay, okay. So FM2. My very, very first mechanical camera. And are those still around today? Yes, I just uh, traded in for the same FM2, but in a more modified solid gold body. Oh, but I of course, it, it's not a real gold, right. but it's... it's gold plated. Uh, it's gold plated. plated. Okay. But it's the same FM2. Okay. So yeah. you still use it? I still use it as film. And it's film? And it's film. Wow. And I still use it. That is a camera that I use more for like, I would say, occasions. Capturing a holiday when I'm happy. I just uh-huh. want to... I don't want to use this. Cheating. But it's good. I mean, it's good, but... When I go traveling, this is the only thing that I trust. Right, right. The mobile yeah. phone nowadays, I mean, it's so many it's cheats. It's so good. Now. It's so good. It's but so it, good. in a way, it kind of feels like a cheat almost. Yes, it's because almost it's so like good. Yeah. So to use the mechanical camera really sharpens your skills back to how you really operate a camera. Mm. Look through it, frame it. You only got one chance. No, I, I love the fact that, um, you know, you're still so grounded in that aspect. And um, the... The, the the fact here is that your FM2 is still very much linked to happy moments. Yes. So I know. So it kind of tells me that there's a real strong sentimental value to to that. Um, at the same time, I mean, everything that keeps us very anchored tends to steer us in the right way. I honestly feel that way. Um, so on in my end, I always keep it keep it real. Always remember where I came from. Yes. You know, remember the first few jobs that I've done. Uh, at the same time, I mean, for yourself, what is it that actually you keep yourself or the values that you remind yourself to keep you going on that grind? Because it's not easy. Um, I mean, running your own business, everybody knows this. Digging deep into my memory right now, how I'm keeping myself grounded, which I'm still doing it every day because I never felt like I made it anyway. Yeah, even though people say, oh, you've made it and all. As an artist or as a photographer, there's always room for progression. So every time when we move forward, we use our past as a reflection. Me being a coffee boy back then in the studio. You were a coffee boy in the studio? Yeah, which means I'm the assistant, which is the lowest. Of the low. Of the lowest, right? I just came in, I didn't know what to do, I didn't know how to do it. I was uh, from La Salle where they taught you uh, photography, but not commercial photography so you don't know anything but you're just entrusted 
and you get paid like $650 a month. It's very little money. Seriously, it is really, really low. But for two years, we survived on that amount. Wow. With, with the blessings of my parents that they helped me a little bit. Yeah. They were very kind. But I never took that for granted. Money that was always given to me, yes, a lot of my friends say, oh, you're lucky, you're spoiled, you have this, you know. But I don't think so. Um, being where I was as an assistant in the photo studio, uh, none of them will ever want to do this job. It is really tough. Every morning you got to be there by 8 you live, You leave the studio only after your boss leaves. And it goes on to like 8, 9 o'clock in the night. So every day you're clocking like 12 hours. Yeah, of course you're young, so it's fine. The body can take it. But this is something um, I was more interested in learning. How does this guy at 45 years old have such a big studio, two nice cars, a big house? How did how does he do it? I wanna know. I wanna I wanna learn and I wanna see and things like this you don't see it in a normal day. You only see it like in the very early in the morning or very late in the night. Where he literally will let his gut down. He will. I mean, he he's a human being, after right? All. So you learn all these little things from him. Then you understand. Oh, okay. No wonder he's so. At the end of the day, he's hardworking. Every day he shows up. Every day he does the same thing. Every day is a. Uh, every day is a hustle for him. Right. Every day, he doesn't stop. Keeps on doing it up to 50 plus, you're still doing it and doing it. And uh, interestingly enough, don't you see yourself in the same, the exact same position exactly. right now? Two nice cars, <laughs> huh? good <Yeah>. house, <laughs> right? Beautiful family, good life. Don't you see yourself in that position right now? I do, yes, I'm very appreciative for that, but that is not what that would define me. Seriously, right. that was not what would define me. Everybody likes something nice, everybody likes to have a good life. Uh, but this is something for me like a little reward for me uh, but that is not something that I would say I'll work towards it to be able to afford that because this is something that was along the way we bought we invested in we paid for it it's not something we buy to show off <laughs> yep but because of my boss how he taught me of course he uh, he's no longer around he passed on uh, my respects to him um I learned a lot more about passion and, and uh, how to deal with people. Right. I think that's so much more important. Uh, how, how, how to run the business, how to uh, take it easy, certain days you got to pull back, certain days you got to move forward. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's much better than me, that, that, definitely. That, that's why he's my boss, right? But um, having said that, um, yes, I see myself in a good light, as in I have all this, but never a single day that goes by I wake up in the morning and say wow thank you really really thank you I work very hard to achieve all this but at the same time I still don't feel that I made it yet right it's not because of this and if I feel if I felt that I would have made it it's because of all this and I think it would be a very sad thing right, right. and I'm still pushing on day after day day after day right yeah. but now that you've made it I would say I mean I, I'll honestly tell you that you've definitely made it it's not material success I would, that's not important yes there are some people who believe that yeah you gotta have a million bucks in your bank account and another two million in another bank account and three million in another bank account somewhere else in the world but it's more of how we feel on a daily basis. What about the lowest of the lows? What were the, the toughest parts 
that you had two bucks in your pocket and you just went, oh shit, I gotta, I, I might just have to leave this or, you know, I'm going to have to like do something. I'm sure every entrepreneur will have their own stories to tell you, but I'm sure every entrepreneur also have two dollars in their pocket and facing a whole business ahead in front of them. Move forward, leave it, get a job. Right. Right. Many a times, this three decades of work, many a times I just said, screw it, I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to walk out of this. I'm just going to do something and just get a paid job. Didn't you ever have an office job before this? Uh, no. Oh. Yes. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm very resilient in that way. It's do or die for me. So that's why I, I had two dollars in my pocket. And I said, no, this is not what I was cut out to be. I, I want to be a photographer. I still want to be a photographer. Frankly, the last uh, bad uh, incident was last year, late last year, uh, early last year in January. I was feeling really depressed. I was stuck in my studio for 22 years. Um, I had all the good jobs. I had my, all my good clients. So like you said, it's no longer about the money and no longer about the status. It's about yourself, uh, mental well-being. How you want to pull yourself out of this rut. How you want to be creative again. How you want to connect with people. I, never, I don't know how to connect with people because after 20 over years of in my own studio, commanding people, telling people what to do. When you come out, you meet a lot of other people. You can't do that to them. Right. It's totally different ballgame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You need to take one step back. You need to understand now, especially today, where how things are all co-sharing. Whereas, um, we started our business, there was no such thing as co-sharing. Everybody needs to own their camera. I own a $50,000 camera. I own a $80,000 camera. And that was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's good. There are people that are better. But that's not... Um, at the end, that's, that wasn't the pinnacle of it. Right. I think what, for me, to be a successful uh, photographer is something that you can live with yourself. When you do something, you literally cannot say you do it just for the money. Because when you throw it to a client, they can feel it. If you do it just for the money, they will know it's just for the money. Right. But if you do it because you want it to be better, uh, this is where they will start to take notice. This guy is a little different. Of course, we are all human beings. We will make mistakes sometimes, but we apologize. Right. So, doesn't mean I'm, I'm 20 over years, I'm a loud child in this business. Mm-hmm. I would like say that, oh, you know, I'm right, you're definitely wrong because you're younger. Yeah. I said, no, we, we learn because when they tell you something, you got to understand where they're coming from. They have bosses and bosses to answer to. Right. I'm a supplier at a sense. In in that sense, I'm a supplier. I'm the lowest of the food chain. But in a sense, they come to me because they like my work. So we have to keep on thinking that um, you are not the shit yet. <laughs> you must always make things better every day. Right. Yeah. So constantly we're seeking to evolve. That's what we're always talking about. Yes. The, the game has changed, I'm very certain. Sure. But ultimately... I think it, it still boils down to the passion. More importantly, what you've focused on your business or into your business. So how do you manage that? And these, the last 22 years of, of being in this, in this game, uh, how has that changed along the way if you were to look at it in retrospect? If you could summarize it in a timeline, what were the pinnacle moments and telltale signs that you were going to make it? 
I would say right from the start, my very first push was uh, Brother McNally from a uh, LaSalle. He literally, he was my dean in LaSalle and he literally gave me the uh, uh, courage to actually move on to photography itself as a medium. Because uh, there was no photography as a course. It mm. was just part of the course of graphic design back okay. then. And having said that, which means only once a week you have like about half a day of photography lesson. And my photography lecturer told me, Oh Andy, you should keep your day job because <laughs> you're just not a very good photographer. Oh no. But you know what? That's good. I love challenges like this. Mm. You tell me this, I'm going to show you. I'll get better. I'll get better. So I learned try. Until one day you tell me, you're excelling very fast. I think you will be good. And I said, thank you very much. That's what I want to hear. Not so much. I, I'm, because I guess she's just human. She's a teacher. Just saying that. Oh, she's just saying it out for jazz, for fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. But sometimes that could either hurt or that could propel you to another level. Right. And I have friends also that make fun of me uh, because I started out late. Um, I'm always one step slightly behind because I don't like to jump into it without knowing it. Mm-hmm. When I do, it's all with full, full force. Uh, but these are all the little things that push me to move ahead and to do, to excel in what I'm, what I'm doing now. And Brother McNally has been very kind. He sponsored my first exhibition at Fifth Passage in Parkway Parade. Mm. That's with Suzanne Victor hosting it. In fact, it was Suzanne Victor's place, Fifth Passage in Parkway. So we had, um, I had my first exhibition there and and I was like the youngest photographer in Singapore to do an exhibition. And back then it was unheard of. Uh, of course, there were a lot of negative thoughts and of course, a lot of positive as well. Uh-huh. Uh, but with everything, you always have a plus and a minus. Right. I just don't listen to them. Right. I know I just want to be a photographer. Mm-hmm. So after that, I went into the army. By some fate, uh, my stars were aligned. I went into Pioneer Magazine as a photographer. Ah. Uh, but that was not without hard work as well. Mm-hmm. How I got into it will be a story for another day. But um, yeah, I went into Pioneer. Um, and as a photographer. When I came out from photography, I went to work for this boss, which I mentioned earlier on. Um, so all these little milestones, um, like my first exhibition, like uh, uh, even like uh, being youngest photographer, so I was being filmed on uh, TCS back then, I can't remember. Yes, I think it's TCS. I was uh, filmed together with Michelle Chia, um, the actress right yeah. and the, uh, it, it was a very good uh, how would you say uh, it was a boost for me mm-hmm. to tell me that hey correct direction go for it mm-hmm. try it's always in my head every day I'm talking to myself like sorry entrepreneurs are like <laughs> <talk to> themselves. <laughs> uh, so you can do it you can do it. because it's a lot of psychoing nobody can tell you whether or not you can or you cannot. Only you yourself can right. tell yourself to push for it. And every morning, some days, you, oh, you some some mornings are really very bad. Some mornings are very bad. You just feel lousy about yourself, what you're doing, how life is going to be like, and all blah blah blah. Yeah, 
But with all these little pinnacles, I start to realize that it's actually a wave. Just keep on doing good work. It will just keep on coming back to you, but there's always be a dip and you come Correct. back again. Then the dip will not get so bad. Okay. Yeah. But initially, it's very bad. Yeah. Yeah. After a while, you start to realize it. You, uh, is it because you learn more about yourself? You learn how to manage your expectations because you tend to like one more. And you accept and you accept that this is part of the journey. And also, with age, you find that not as bad. More zen lah. Huh? It's more, more zen. <laughs> I mean, you have more, you spend, you spend more, you, you party harder. But when you have less, you, you spend less. Of course, with your family, you take care of your family first. Of course. So there are priorities. So priorities mm. have changed. Right. So the situation have changed. But what have not changed for me is my uh, ability to be just still just as tough and just okay. keep on going on every day. Right. Yeah. So the thing is that what are the, I mean, where are these moments of self-doubt that just creep into your system and you just have to, and, and probably like the longest time you, you had to fight it off. When was this period? Not long, not long ago. It was just uh, in January. You're saying after you moved from Henderson, right? Yeah. To... In fact, it was before I moved. And that's why I moved. Mm. It's because I was really in that place for 22 years. I didn't know what to do. But within that 22 years, I also had my bout of uh, difficulties, self-doubt, and how you want to get out of it, how you want to do something else. You know, stop doing photography, just go maybe be a yoga teacher, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> want to just do something different and just not get so sick and tired of it. Right. You do this every day. But my passion for photography has not died. It's just the business part of it. I just uh-huh. wish that I could have somebody to take care of it and every day I'm just shooting nice pictures. But that's the artist in you, isn't it? That is the artist Because in the fact of the matter is that nobody likes to say that they sold out. Precisely. Yeah. But then again, you don't have an agent in Singapore that can represent you to right. do all this. Correct. So you have to be your agent. You have to be your. You have to sell yourself out. You need right. to retain yourself in again. Right. There's so many. There's so much. Com- there's so much conflict. So a lot of times you're saying, okay, I should do this job, but you know when push comes to shove, yeah, you do it because it's still a respectable client. It pays you. You need a job anyway. No entrepreneurs will tell you they don't need a job. Right. That's nonsense. Every entrepreneur will tell you they, they don't all because of this. No, unless you you have so much fundings that you can choose and pick your job, then you're really not in it for the business. You're just in it for the art. Right. Of course, that will be the most perfect situation where I can choose my client. But as an entrepreneur and running a business and reality, having a family, having everything around you, you need to, you need to weigh everything. Yeah. Right. So, uh, what kind of support are you getting from your family right now? I mean, uh, when you started out, tough times, uh, what, what kind of support did you manage to get? Because I do realize that, uh, or what we talked about was that <laughs> entrepreneurs face depression quite a lot uh, and there are bouts of, of, of uh, very down times. Right. right. Um, so, what kind of support are we talking about here, for you at least? Well, my support for my family, even uh, stems right out from my parents, has been really good. Um, there was never any doubt. They always allowed me to do whatever I wanted to do. Maybe that's why there was no sense of a uh, 
all I need to do was just go out there and just make good with my work. Right. My mom helped me by uh, giving me a loan, uh, interest-free loan, which I didn't have to borrow on the bank. Otherwise, I'd still be paying off. There's a lot of money to start up a studio. Yeah. Back then, it was sixty to eighty thousand was a lot of money. Whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. Sixty to eighty Gs. Yeah. Oh, what for a year? And no, no, no. To start, to start my business. Ah. To start to buy the equipment oh. to to sustain the business. Okay. And I was like only twenty six, twenty seven years old. I was given that money, and that was a loan from them, ah. which I paid back through the years. Um, from then on, I realized how difficult it is to make money. It is very difficult. Um, but with that money, I could have either blown it mm-hmm. or do... Uh, my mom was very kind. Of course, she's no longer around. Mm. But um, she herself is an entrepreneur, so she understands. Ah. Her savings, she gave to me and said, Son, take this, do something good with yourself. I said, yeah, I will do it. Even though I do come from a fortunate family. I'm not going to lie, I'm saying I'm a struggling artist. Mm-hmm. I ain't, I ain't no struggling artist back then. But my mom was saying, use this money to good use. Put it to good use. Start a family. Start do work for yourself. Do something decent. So with this, I started with photography with $60,000. And um, that is how far this money has brought us to today, 20 over years. Without that startup, I think it would be very difficult. I would love to hear from, uh, I would say, the previous generation of entrepreneurs since you, your mom was uh, an entrepreneur as well. What lessons did she impart to you being in a family from an entrepreneur? So that, that is what I've seen her gone through. You know, during my school holidays, I'll help her in a business. She's a beautician. Oh. So basically, she does a, uh, she does makeup, hair makeup for people. She does facial for people. Uh-huh. Back then, that was very popular. So that was how she made her money. And she made very good money back then. So, But the thing is, I see how she works. She turns up every day. She, she does her work every day. She's diligent. She's honest to the customers. She is very hardworking. She keeps on pushing every day. Uh, she retired at 48. Yeah, not because she wanted to, but because the rental was just crazy. Uh, so she said, okay, after 20 odd years of working, she started very young. She stopped. So I saw the resilience. And I said, oh, I'm sure I can be like that too. But you know, this is not something that you tell yourself. Sometimes you're just born with the resilience. Right. But of course, some some people do get lazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. I do get lazy sometimes. But along the way, we tend to see that good uh, vibes in them and I use it to apply it to my business. I really do. I every day. I, I mean, I, every day I wake up. I do the same. Root your cre- A lot of people would say that um, creativity is always spontaneous. But I would say creativity needs a set of discipline. Every day you need to wake up. You need to show up. You know? So along the way you get creativity. Creativity. You get your ideas. You impose. You 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 execute it. You execute it. You execute it. But you need to keep on it. You can't be drunk the night before next day you don't go to work at like 3 o'clock. Yeah, because you're an entrepreneur, you enjoy this. No. Still wake up, go to work, work out, do your... It's, it's a little routine that you build for yourself. No, discipline. So at the end, it's discipline. If you do not have the discipline, that's why most entrepreneurs have a lot of discipline. You mm-hmm. don't see it. 
you don't see it. Yeah. You, you you will probably see me like, oh, oh I like to have drinks with my friend. But I'm very controlled. When yeah. it comes to work, yeah. the next day if I work, oh, no, I sleep early. Yeah. I, I sleep at 9.45. Every other day I sleep at 9.45. No, I see your social media, you're like, damn chill, damn yeah, enjoy. Like, I mean, that's, that's what you share on social media. That's right? what I share. But this is not something that I would uh, tell you to say, hey, sleep at 9.45. Right. Uh, next morning, wake up. Uh, I wake up at 7 o'clock. I get up. I take my roads. I take my warm water with lemon. I take my two fish oil. Then I work out. So this becomes a routine. Mm. So it keeps me going. So every day when you have a routine, in between you're just very fresh. The first four hours of uh, when I wake up to work, is the most productive time. After that, three, four o'clock moments, useless, if you ask me, starting on. Most of the time, people don't do anything. I completely agree with you. So, lunch, I try to not eat that much. Right. So, I would uh, basically come in at 10.30. That's my routine. 10.30 right. is my magic hour. Okay. <clears throat> I'll finish, maybe take a short break for half an hour for lunch. I, I, I wouldn't spend like two, three hours. Because as an entrepreneur, you have your, your time, all the time in the world. Mm. So, you need to uh, have a discipline you have to have four sets in a day morning wake up early do your shit get to work do your shit finish up evening meet people that could be a potential client mm. you just sit down chill talk you know, you know this gives off a very good vibe people will feel that oh uh, you're not so hard up right you are in control mm-hmm. and this is not something that um you can't explain this to everybody else. It's very difficult. Yeah. But this is my routine. People say, oh, you're very lucky. La. You, every day, like, so chill. But have you seen me? You've only seen the good stuff. Yeah, the, the, the four to six hours. Of course, people say, oh, four to six hours. such. But this is, I'm an entrepreneur. I run my own shit. But this is every day, the four to six hours. I sit down, I do things. I do my quotation. I do invoicing. I call up clients. I, I get all my things done. I get all the routine and it becomes a routine uh, so creativity comes in when like in the evening when I speak to you when I speak to my friends so the community want to go for a drink sure oh of course I, I, I love to always have a good drink but this is where you expand your mind you sit mm. down you chat you just let loose say, hey today what's happening oh today I had this one I saw this art oh damn nice so you tend to get inspired the next day you tend then what you do is you make time to go and check it out to uh, find out more about it and, uh, but of course in, in between you get all your things done mm. every morning every morning I get all my things so my crucial hour is always from 10.30 all the way to about 3 o'clock yeah. okay. but that, that's about it Yeah. if I should of course that's a different story yeah. if I'm on, on job then I'll be there at, uh, so I always tell my client <laughs> I think magical hour is always about 10 o'clock to start work. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> 10 o'clock, 10 to 6. Mm. That's the best, best time. Right. Right. Any time earlier, everybody has to be so stressed. If you right. really ask me. You see, you start at 9 o'clock, 8, 8.30. It's true. Um, everybody has to wake up like 5 o'clock. Six o'clock. So you don't subscribe to that whole CEO waking up at 4.30 in the morning routine? Uh, not for work. Not for work in that sense, but for me personally, daily, I wake up very early. But I need to have my uh, time where I work out, I sweat it out, I, right. I, I have my own quiet time, I think about how I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do for the rest of the day. Mm. Yeah. 
course, being the CEO, that's a different story. You have your whole company to think about. Of course, you need that three, four hours ahead. Right. I'm not, I mean, yes, of course, I'm like the CEO of my own company. But um, since I have the luxury of time, this is how I plan my time. Right. And technically, your shareholders are only your family, in that sense. That's it. And my wife works. Mm. So it's not because she, you know, because I feel that when you work, it's self-worth. It is. It's all self-worth. Mm. You have a person that's not working and depending on you. Oh, that's tough. That's, that is really tough. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I always feel an equal share of the pie. Uh, of course, uh, I want to give her more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she supports me when times are bad as well because she's, she works in a 9 to 5 job. She's very happy with work. I mean, happy but the commas sometimes yes sometimes no nobody's ever truly happy mm. yeah but she's contented right I would use the word after all these years is contentment content it's content so with contentment right now in the position where I am uh, I can see a lot of things that I need and I don't need anymore and a lot of things I don't need right are we talking about material wealth? Uh, are we talking we about... We are talking about things... Yeah, we're talking about like... Um, yeah, you know, like big fan of like shoes and all. Things ah, like sneakers. Sneakers, you know. Yeah, it's nice. It's always nice. I mean, people in the arts are always into all this sort of uh, arts, shoes... Nah, who doesn't like pretty things? Yeah, right? who doesn't? But after a while, you will realize that uh, experience is much better. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Experience to me now is much better than just a nice watch. You know? right. I mean, of course, it doesn't harm to have a nice watch if you have a spare cash. Mm-hmm. But uh, that should not be the priority anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. So having said that, milestones, um, I think I've reached my milestone again uh, last year, uh, moving on to this year. Right. By being less uh, materialistic, by being uh, looking at things in a wider spectrum and helping a lot of other people. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm helping a lot of other people in the sense that uh, teaching them to. Um, so some of them are very young. They come to me and say, "Hey, how do you do this, man? I want to be like you, man." I said, "No, you don't want to be like me, man. <laughs> you don't want to be like me. You know how difficult it is to be where I am today." And when I say, "Of course, you know these are the stories I tell you. Whether you believe it or not, it's up to you, lah." But mm. yeah. See, yeah, you're at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, you're here having beer and all. But I, you know, I, I think about it, so I said, okay. You've earned it. I've earned it. So, but I have to teach them why, yeah. how to earn it. So, a lot of times, I, I just give this little talk to them. I won't use the word talk, I just like chat. Sometimes I'll lunch right. and chat and all, yeah. And not looking, you know, I don't talk to them in such a way that I'm looking talking down to them I'm talking to them as a peer right yeah, even though they can be 20 years younger okay yeah, or they can be like but I talk to them as like because I have a lot to learn from them and I did learn a lot from the younger ones um, how their dreams and aspiration how the different paths that they are taking mm-hmm. which is really <laughs> if we were to all sit back in my generation and look at them like most of them cannot accept Mm. Yeah, they, they, they can't accept this no it was a different time yeah it is so mm. like you said my parents couldn't accept what I wanted and then I couldn't accept right you know people couldn't accept what they want but I think it's a form of you have to accept this is the way it goes and if you open up your mind and you flow with that 
wow, you can learn a lot of things. It's true. A lot true. of things. Ever since I've been here, I, my mind has been stretched and um, I am no longer just me. I'm like, every time when they come, say, hey, I need to do this. I'll just help. I'll just help. Yeah. Right. And I find that that, that makes me um, more empowered than before. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I make less money than before. Right. <laughs> but you. But something that you cannot buy is perspective, yeah. isn't it? Now it's this perspective you're right I don't rely on that as a uh, my trophy anymore right no longer I, I have stopped using that as my trophy so I guess that's that's when you know you've you, you've moved on to the next phase yes. because I, I I've noticed that there are so many phases in life and one of them is whereby you go okay it's time to give back yes it's time to because uh, the 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 biggest challenge has always been that you we we spend so many years in the industry trying to get experience right. trying to get a, a rep right a street cred whatever you want to yes, call it street cred right exactly. but at the end of the day that can never be experience oh, sorry that can never be transferred yes it can never be given to somebody or uh, and and uh, I mean knowledge and experience can only be shared but it cannot be transferred cannot if that makes sense yes yeah, so, what, so all, what we're doing so yes. much is sharing that to the next generation to pass that on I think and uh, I, I guess you're in that phase already and that's fantastic I think that's a great place to be in because you no longer have so many worries so, I mean correct me if I'm wrong yes I don't or have a different set of worries no, <laughs> I, don't no, I, I don't have no, now my worry is uh, I wouldn't use the word worry now my uh, main concern mm-hmm. will be my daughter ah to groom her to be um, what she can be to be resilient to be uh, entrepreneur as well in the, mm-hmm. in the sense of spirit even you can work for somebody 9 to 5 and all, it doesn't matter you just need to have the spirit to, to keep yourself alive right. and my daughter is actually doing very well in that sense because she sees like the father the mom they're all very uh, uh, how is it we are hard working people we are still at the end of the very hard working right uh, People will laugh, ah, yeah, right. But yes, we are still very hardworking. Why do you think I still come to work every day? Right. Yes, I don't have much work now, but my work is all on project basis. I no longer have to slot Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday. Mm. But this is what over the 20 years I built up to make it so that this is like that. It's pockets, pockets, pockets. In between, you can enjoy your life. And I think I deserve to enjoy my life a little don't, don't you think I mean to, to to do whatever I need to do but um, at the end my daughter is still the one that I right now is my main concern <laughs> so she's uh, I would say the, she's my the... pinnacle of a uh, uh, yeah to my, my, my concern my main my right. business is uh, more or less just a uh, is that is is, is not growing it's growing little by little but I wouldn't say that it's dying either right so I would say whatever I'm doing now is right I'm just moving along being relevant and all but what I want to do is also leave a, like what you say my legacy is for my daughter not nobody else ah okay yeah. okay actually that was um, that leads me actually to a, a brand new segment that I uh, would like to do at the end of every show as a matter of fact is a simple questionnaire uh, one word that you love the most. One word that I love the most. Mm. Enjoying life. <laughs> life. 
Uh, is that a hashtag so you can put everything in one word? <laughs> one word, okay. Really, really one word. If you ask me, cars. Cars. Yeah. Love. I really love cars. Yeah. Okay. And one word that you dislike the most? Cannot. Cannot. Very nice. <laughs> Who are your heroes in life? Down to the truth, my mom. Hmm. My mom is my hero. Favorite dish and favorite place to eat? Oh, that is good. Hokkien Mi at Topayo Kambili. Tian Tian Lai. If you couldn't be a photographer, what would you have been? Car salesman. I would sell cars. <laughs> what does retirement look like to you? Taking it easy and uh, just sailing into the sunset nicely. Sailing into the sunset nicely. nicely yeah. <laughs> I don't know whatever that means, but yeah, I just want to just chill and just not do anything and just be in, in the east and just chill nice but the sun sets in the west so yeah I know. <laughs> that might be a challenge for you ah <laughs> oh, but you can still see it yeah okay last question but most important how would you like to be remembered as a good photographer and as a good father husband son hmm. that's most important that's my this four things because my mom is no longer around hmm. And I see this, the, uh, sorry, I know this is just a one question thing, but uh, this is uh, something that I, uh, family and art. Family and art. Family and art. All right, thank you very much, sir. That concludes today's <laughs> episode. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right, you have a good one, man. Thank you, Eric.